This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Welcome to another Gangblank Report. You've heard Adrian and Jen talk about the most recent episode of this hit Bravo series. Now it's time to hear from you, the superfans. It's time for the bonus episode of the Gangplank Report. And here they are, Adrian Gang and Jennifer Bennington. Hey gang, welcome back to another superfan episode. We have our first return guest and we are very excited. We have... David Yontif with us, and we can't wait to see if you can top last time. Hi, David. I'm so excited to be like your first returning yeah, guest. I'm excited to have you. What oh, and an I forgot honor. to say, Behind the Velvet Rope podcast. That's important. We've got to plug that. Let's plug it all day, baby. Let's plug it all day. <laughs> we'll plug it with a bung like they didn't do on the jet ski. <laughs> there we go. Exactly been a pretty crazy season and I know we talked to you pretty early on so it was hard for us to kind of give any real opinions about what was going on other than the fallout from last season of Below Deck Med with Hannah and so we wanted to bring you back once we got far enough into the season so that we could get your hot takes on everything and everybody and now that Lexi's gone I can't wait to hear what you have to say. I mean there's so much going on right? It's an interesting season. Well, where would you like me to start? I would like you to start with, were you upset or worried that the show was going to be less entertaining after Lexi left? Or were you like me and singing the Hallelujah Chorus? I mean, singing the Hallelujah Chorus, (laughs) you know, like I just, yeah, there's entertaining and then there's just like, you go too far. Right. One of my pet peeves, and maybe this is just because like I interview so many housewives on my show Mm -hmm. from the real housewives, like I'm always just turned off by money talk and let's face it, money talks and wealth whispers and people that really have money don't talk about how rich they are. That sounds like a Dorinda-ism. (laughs) well I mean she was on my show a few weeks ago so maybe subconsciously I'm channeling Dorinda (laughs) here without knowing it but it's true okay you're still working the same interior that everyone else is and if you had that much money sweetie you wouldn't be working so why are you talking about this that was my big thing with her I mean yes she did also the way she treated people went off on them was so inappropriate as well. I couldn't get over how disassociated she is from reality in thinking that everybody else was as bad as she was. I mean, unless editing is just being super kind to everyone else on that boat. Yeah. There's no way. The places she went with it, it was the jugular every time. Well, and most of the time it was directed at Matt, but she also went after Courtney and a handful of other people too, like Malia. And it's interesting to me that it took that long into the season for it really to come to a head and for Sandy to fully grasp the um, real level of toxicity that she brought to the crew. And I wonder if Katie for whatever reason, was trying to stave that off a little bit because she was worried about what she would end up with if Lexi was gone. Could be. Interesting. 
Okay, that's an interesting theory. I just don't know that Sandy has still gotten the memo on how toxic Lexi is. <laughs> I think she just kind of wanted to be done with it and was tired of hearing about it and hearing it from every single person. She pointed out that everybody started with Lexi when they were talking about the complaints. And I don't know if she said she found that interesting because that meant Lexi's worse or that she thinks that they're all hyper-focused on getting rid of Lexi and not Matt. I couldn't figure out what she meant by that. Did you guys have an idea? I feel like she should have canned both of them from the get-go. I mean, they were toxic to each other, but I don't love Matt either. So I feel like I wasn't attached to either one of them. Right. And I would have loved to have seen what Luca does. Maybe Luca's a little bit more like Pico. Yeah. That leads me to my next question. David, you had very strong feelings about Matt on the first podcast when you came. And I loved it personally. But I wanted to know, did your feelings about him change over the season? Did he redeem himself somewhat in your eyes? Or do you still have that instant? I want to back away from the TV. It's almost come full circle in a way for me. Like if we were sitting down two to three weeks ago, I had a moment where I said, you know, I've probably was way too hard on him. And under it all, I think he's a nice guy, Mm -hmm. you know, because listen, there are those people that are nice and they just don't have a lot of friends and like they overcompensate. And at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, they don't really mean anything and they just want to be liked, you know, and they're just like a wounded puppy. I had a minute where I went there with him. However, I've now (laughs) kind of come out the other end again to be like, oh, I'm kind of over him again. Okay. So instead of a 180, you did a 360. Like a 360 (laughs) with like the caveat that like, maybe like I'm a little softer on him, but I just, if you compare him to every chef out there, yes, I guess he's a good chef, but Mm -hmm. I mean, we've had some interesting chefs on that we enjoy watching, right? Like this is a TV show we're trying to make. Like, is there anyone exactly. out there that is watching this season that is like, I love, I love him, you know, that I'm drawn to him. He's great. Keep him. Maybe. I have seen a couple people say that he's sweet or things like that. Huh? I have not seen... <laughs> The total <laughs> overblown standum. I haven't seen the stands. I don't even know what we'd call them. The swag nasty stands. We changed it to swag whiny this week. I mean, I was going to say on that too, just to your point that you brought up about you would have fired both of them. I mean, I still go back to like, what a great job to have on a boat. I mean, Adrian, you have the job, so you can disagree with me, but I still, so whether someone's waiting in the wings or not, like you'd still harder to fire a chef. It is harder to fire a chef. I just, to your point that we've seen some really interesting chefs on the show, I would say, and I don't watch a lot of the top chef stuff, but I would say a lot of them, not necessarily a standalone show for themselves, but a lot of them could carry themselves. Maybe on another season like Ben did, or maybe save a season like Kiko did kind of thing for as long as he was there. There's really some memorable chefs that we have seen and maybe their food isn't absolutely perfect every time, but they're still very interesting. And on some level you can feel amicably towards them. I feel none of that with him. And I feel like it's because his personality 
is either swung one way completely towards confrontation. And he focuses so heavily on that, that it clouds his judgment when it comes to his job somewhat, or swung so completely toward insecurity that it makes him unlikable. And I understand what you're saying, that there's some people that are just awkward, that are seeking approval. But when you go so far the opposite direction from somebody who seems overly confident and is an asshole about it, then the complete pendulum swing as soon as your nemesis is gone to being really insecure. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. I mean, I like to have clients tell me that my food is good. It's really nice to hear that. And it's good to get feedback, but you can't be that moody about it when it doesn't go your way. Does that make sense? Because it throws off your game. Yeah. And like, that's not how the real world works. Right. Like we don't get our way every day, every hour, at least I don't. So, I mean, we've learned that you can't go in the corner and cry. Right. And that's the thing with him. And we talked about it a little on the last couple of podcasts. He comes off and I had posited a theory that maybe it's because he left school so early, but he comes off like he hasn't learned how to function in a real world environment where things don't go his way. He will be great with you if you are sweet and praise him all the time and whatever, but you say one wrong thing and the beast unleashed. Yeah, Yeah. that's just not the real world. It's not. And I think the other part of what we saw about him recently is how much he really was antagonizing Lexi, where it seemed like she was the antagonist for most of the season with him, like stepping in his little pile of dirt and trying to boss him around in his own galley, where you could understand him getting his feathers ruffled about that. Then we cut to this last group dinner that they had where she was still there, and you can very clearly see him just going after her, even though she's trying to Mm -hmm. avoid him. And that really turned me off. Yeah. He did it at lunch that day, too, at the falls. Right. He just kept poking at her. And she really had been. The night before, she had been the one who started it by ripping on him while David was giving his speech. But that whole next day, it was him antagonizing it. And it makes me wonder if it wasn't deliberate. He knows how she's going to react. So is he just venting and getting it off his chest? Or is he hoping that while Delaney's there, he's the one who has been saying all this time that it's Lexi who should be fired and they should keep Delaney Was he trying to make it happen purposefully? Mm, Interesting thought. So question for you, David. I know that you're deep in the Bravo realm. When you look at this cast as we've, since we're so far along the season now, who do you think has the potential to come back based on what you've seen so far? It seems like it's different every single time they do a season that the people you think will come back don't return and it's kind of a surprise, but the people that seem somewhat unlikely to return are the ones that we see again. What do you think? I mean, I really overall as a cast, this cast to me is a little off, really. Yeah, Hmm. you guys might be liking this cast more than me. I was more at the beginning. It's fallen off a little for me, but there's just some decisions that are being made that I'm not sure make sense that I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around. But as people, I like mostly everybody. My big problems, Lexi's now off the boat. And I mean, Matt's still there, but we do get to see a peak of Luca coming on in the previews. So maybe that's just to rattle Matt's cage, but it's at least new blood. Uh, Yeah. And I mean, like, 
they're all fine. Like I'm, they're nice people, but just really compelling TV. Like there's no superstars that stick out of this cast for me, which I don't know why. I mean, I'd like there to be, but I feel like, Mm -hmm. so I don't know, like if I had to pick someone like maybe David, you know, like just as, but Mm -hmm. I, there's nobody that I'm like, wow. This person I can't yeah. look away from. Where there have been other seasons. Right. And I get that. And I think that's probably why I like this season a little more is because it was more of an ensemble. Usually there's always somebody who's trying to get the camera time and really being over the top and not natural. And sometimes that irks me. So maybe that's why I was okay with it because I wasn't hoping for a standout. I just wanted a good season. And so far, I think it's been a good season. It's been a decent balance of drama and regular stuff. We still haven't quite figured out what's going on with them not showing excursions and things as often as they used to in the past. Maybe that's just COVID. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, but I mean, like with Roy Orbison Jr., they did a bunch of things and they didn't air any But maybe that's because of COVID because they don't want to show too much of that and seem insensitive to the fact that- Oh, oh, so we don't get, as viewers, we don't get mad that they get to do fun stuff and we're locked in our house. Kind of. you mean? Yeah, and showing too much insensitivity by doing too many activities- in the time of COVID makes it seem mm-hmm. like they're just disregarding the rules for themselves. Like they are somehow allowed Above to disregard the rules, the rules. Ah, even gotcha. though they might be doing all safe practices. Right. And it seems like they are. And from what the Orbison family told us they were, and it was also Croatia had a super low infection rate, like only 400 people had contracted it by the time they had filmed. But also so... how interesting would it be? Like we used to see guests go into town and go do other stuff and interact with more people, but it's not interesting. And Mm -hmm. it's probably not helpful to have the entire cast or the entire group of guests masked up everywhere they go. I'm sure that's an audio nightmare. Oh, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought about the audio. Yeah. Uh, Well, that's the other thing too, as far as like your mention of Roy Orbison, like none of the guests really stand out to me either this season. Yeah. I don't know that I could name... I can obviously name Roy, obviously. Roy, and I can, we can name Haley and Danielle from the charter a week or so ago because we interviewed them. Jennifer and Patrick, I only remember because I saw her in another environment afterwards and her name is the same as mine. So that helps. Yeah, but you're right. There haven't been the over the top crazy guests it's kind of really been crew focused i think this season yeah for better or for worse so are you surprised david we know going into it we talked about this in our last interview that there was a lot of people who were just not going to watch it because they were still protesting do you think that this season and the way that this panned out for the people that did either tune in from the beginning or start watching partway through to mess with the ratings Do you think that this will carry over to the next season that people who are just below deck med fans are below deck med fans and it doesn't matter? Or do you think that this, because it has been kind of a meh season, comparatively speaking, especially on the tales of what happened to Hannah, do you think it'll carry people through? Well, I haven't looked at the ratings. Normally I always check the ratings. So I don't know. Do you guys know if the ratings are up or down or just the same to now? Jen's better at this the ratings are down what they're trying to do. You know how Bravo likes to play with that. 
what they're trying to do is say it's because of the advanced viewership on Peacock, but the ratings are in about the a million to a million point two. I want to say the highest rating last season. I might be wrong on this, so don't quote me, but I thought it was 2.7. That's like half or 2.3. Yeah. I mean, and like the one footnote, the ratings are down for everything. I mean, they're down for housewives. They're just down. Housewives ratings are just tanking. Well, I have another feeling about all that, but that's a whole nother thing. Feel free. Adrian isn't a housewives person, but I am totally a housewives person. And a lot of the people that listen are housewives people. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Listen, I, there's no, you know, I do five interviews a week. One will always be a housewife. That's just how my show, the scheduling, it's either a past or a current housewife. I will always have that. I truly, truly think, and I said this to someone the other day and they almost stopped breathing and went into cardiac arrest, but the way the world works, I believe that within three, and I'm being generous, I think three years is the max time for housewives. I think the whole thing will be over within three years. I could see Andy being given a package, not that you know he needs to be very amicable, and mm-hmm. I could just see them moving on. And then someone else said, I have Perez Hilton coming up on my show. He's been on a million times, but he was like, he was like, you know, think about how hard that is when you're a whole network, just basically based on housewives. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I don't, the model doesn't make sense to me. I mean, yes, below deck and we have lots of shows, but when you have like nine shows, eight shows that are all one thing, but I really think within three years, housewives will be over forever like that's the end and I don't disagree with you on that I've always said when you said the three years I got kind of goosebumpy because I thought you were going to say one of my theories that I've thought for the show is that no life is interesting to watch after three years you get the most that you can out of that unless you have some hyper interesting person that leads a crazy kind of life but after three years you've kind of gotten to know the person and it gets really redundant and they've had some of these women on so long so long to the point that too many people are attached to them to where when they try and phase them out and bring new blood in people don't want the change they want to see the people that they're used to but at the same time they're bored and that's why i think below deck is such a better formula by not keeping everybody and not keeping the same crew all the time you don't get that kind of redundancy you get to know new people every year yeah yes yes and yes so i think it's coming so there you go yeah Yeah, but so I don't know. I mean, I think that this season, people I just think are different. The world is open and not everyone's watching. I mean, I think they are setting Malia up to kind of be the scapegoat for all that other stuff. I do think that because, you know, listen, let's face it, Sandy and Lee will cut off their arm with a chainsaw to keep this gig going for a lot of reasons. 100%. So look, I think Sandy was truly upset with Malia for not reporting the injury. I mean, let's face it, that's her big shtick with everything, you know, the drugs, the injury. Sandy is like, let's go to the nth degree to really be protective of everything. But that did seem like a little stage to me, just knowing what I know and like someone being like, you need to go get mad at Malia. And I think she really was mad at her. But that to me seemed Mm -hmm. like this scene is setting this up for goodbye, Malia at some point. 
Right. Or a thousand don't go percent. anywhere, Malia. You were going to keep you and there's going to be a contentious relationship now. Well, I think that was part of what was interesting about Hannah being there is that she didn't placate Sandy. Like she did her job and she did what she was supposed to do, but she didn't suck up. And I think that that doesn't necessarily work for Sandy. Look, captains have egos. Chefs have egos. It's just a fact. And sometimes the captains that I have worked for in the past really require a lot of placating because they need to feel like they're constantly in charge. It's like pilots or doctors that really need to have affirmation constantly and continual reminders that they're the head honcho. And even though Sandy is not a male, I think it's still the mentality of the absolute power of the position, right? And that's, there's good reason for that. You want someone with experience. You want someone that is going to have the health and the best interest and safety of everybody on board in mind. At the same time, does that always have to be a part of the personal dynamic? I can respect someone and their position and still not like them very much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Speaking of which, I just did check. The most recent ratings I can find are from September 13th, and it was 978,000. Well, that's not good. So, yeah, that's not 2.7 seems really high to me. I always thought I might be off on that, but I thought it was close to the two mil range and it was Hannah's exit episode. Yeah, I mean, I always thought like, whereas Housewives, the best it could do is like well it used to be you know sometimes one six but it's normally like one two is considered i always thought below death was more like one eight one nine yeah and it could be that i'm thinking of a plus seven or i'm just off with my numbers today and it could be the rum (laughs) (laughs) it could be a lot of things right i could splice it in later and make myself look like a genius but we all know better so i'm not gonna do that But like, no, I mean, I think it'll be okay. I just, I don't know. I mean, maybe it is just me. I I just don't, this isn't like my favorite, like, wow season. I think coming off of the tales of Hannah's season, last season, and below deck sailing that was just insane, like in real time. And as we were watching the show, that was just so captivating. This does take a dive. Right. So if you're considering the buildup that we've had over the last couple of seasons that we've seen and the last regular below deck that we've seen that was interesting and had some crazy shit happen. Now this where everybody's nice ish for the most part and for the most part getting along and there's one person that's kind of crazy that's winding everybody up. Yeah, I get it. I agree. I mean, I really want to like it. I mean, and I don't know if you've seen too, like with your point about Lexi earlier, you know, she is saying that production gave her an unnecessary, I don't know if you've seen this, like edit, where like the phone call to her mother, she specifically is saying was like two different phone calls or a A friend. Yeah. Yeah. She was talking about friends, not talking about the crew when she was saying that about only wanting to be around rich people. And she really was. And they do that. And Adrian's attested to it as well. They Frankenstein things in and make it seem relevant when it's not. But honestly, that was like the most minor of her offenses of things she said. Yeah, I didn't really think I agree. I was like, okay, I mean, if this is what you're grasping at, I don't know if this really matters. That's not the problem, really. 
Exactly. Yeah, that's not the worst thing. That and you one know. of the things that I tell people that are going to film the show is to stay sober for six weeks if you don't want to look like a drunken monkey on television and be very careful what you say and any conversations, regardless of whether it's one-sided on the phone, because it can and will be used against you. And this example with Lexi talking to her mom about something completely unrelated to her crew is very much one of those examples. However, it's not like she didn't make comments that leaned that direction about rich people and poor people and all that kind of stuff in front of the crew in the first place for it to make sense to the viewership if they don't know that she's talking about something different. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Because they can use any conversation that you have against you. Right. Because it's your words. They're not telling you what to say or what to do, but they can definitely use it against you. Right. I would like have duct tape over my mouth the whole time (laughs) because I say some messed up stuff, but it's generally (laughs) self-deprecating. And if they use the stuff I say against myself, against other people, I'd be screwed. Everybody would hate me. Do you think, David, knowing that how you feel about the season is kind of meh, do you think they did enough to redeem Sandy and Malia in this? I mean, I feel that in a way, I don't even know if this is so great. Like, there's no reason to not like them, but there's no reason to like them. Does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to hedge. I'm just like, they're just kind of there. Yeah, I get that. No, you know, I understand that. Like, and there's some people I'm completely dispassionate about that I don't yeah. have feelings one way or the other. I had angsty, angry feelings towards them, but I really don't. I've been kind of more objective than I even thought I could be this season with them, but they don't really compel me one way or the other. Like we were talking about standums. There's no one I really stand on it. I like the people. Yeah. But there's nobody that I would go out on a limb for and back in a Twitter war or anything. No, I mean, that's the thing. So, I mean, I guess it didn't hurt them. You know, I mean, if everyone hated them before, mm-hmm. well, I don't think you hate them more now. Right. So I don't think it hurt, but I mean, not listen neither of them are warm and fuzzy and maybe that just comes along with the job right yeah i i don't know i don't i can't i can't say that because we've seen other captains and other bosons that are not like that that are very much like lee lee for whatever reason has a multitude of fans that just absolutely adore him and same thing with glenn i mean i understand glenn is a nice guy Glenn's a great guy. I would right. want to hang out with he him. Is. I would want to work for him. Every single person. And I think you said this, David, everybody that you've talked to that has worked with him loves him. Right. Yeah. And I think if I give, you know, I mean, I gave you the choice, but most people I've had, like when you were on my podcast, I get, most people will say that they want to work with Glenn. If I give them a choice of only these particular three right. captains, which makes sense to me. That com- makes complete sense. Well, because ultimately Glenn is the kind of person that takes responsibility and doesn't seem to fly off the handle or berate people unnecessarily. And I think that that's part of it. Like, why would you want a boss that's going to, even though some of the things that he says might be very quippy and entertaining, do you want those directed at you? Everybody loves the Leeisms, but think about what would happen if that was directed at you. Cause I've been there and it's not fun. Right. Yeah. And I get that. Yeah. And 
again, we've talked about this before. Some people are great in the actual industry and some people are great on the show and for the show. And that's the fine line that I think that casting has to walk on is which way do you lean? Do you lean with someone who's more entertaining, but really kind of throws off the dynamic of the boat and the guests aren't happy? I don't know how much they care about whether the guests are happy because they feel like they're already giving them a discount and everything and it's for TV I'm not sure how much that factors into their decisions, but it seems like whichever way they lean too far, there are viewers who are dissatisfied. If they lean too far to they want people who are good at their job, people complain that they're not entertaining enough or whatever. If they lean to people who are dramatic and entertaining, they suck at their job or whatever. So I would think it would be, I wouldn't want to cast the show to be quite honest. Because I think you're darned if you do and darned if you don't. Yeah. What do you think? So we're headed into the new season of Below Deck original. What are you hoping is going to happen with this season? We've got a new chief stew. We know we've got some returning cast as well. Looking forward, what are you hoping that we see? Because we know that at least for the very beginning of the season that Lee isn't there the whole time. So is that... Is he not there just one episode though? I thought it was just one episode or it's more. It's unclear. I mean, they obviously showed in the preview that there's somebody else there, but we don't know the time frame yet. So is that setting up for a Lee retirement at some point? Is that just a filler until Lee can get there? We don't, we don't really know. But I mean, to your point about the housewives, I thought that the point of some of these shows, or at least the thought process behind some of them is to go out on a high note, Right. You don't want to wear something out like the tires on your car until you can't drive anymore. Some shows have done that and it has not ended well for them. Some shows don't get anywhere near that and they end on the highest note. Like I'm thinking of shows like Sopranos. Oh, and I was thinking Seinfeld. Right. Well, Seinfeld had like 140 seasons, but they were all interesting. Yeah. And they left with people wanting more. And that's generally what you hear in the entertainment industry is always leave them wanting more. Bravo. I don't know that they follow that formula, to be quite honest. It seems like with the couple of cancellations or delays that we've had in the past couple of months that they might be warming up to it. But Bravo has consistently been, if you don't shine your first season, you're gone. We're moving on. And if you give us any sort of ad revenue, we will let you run until wheels fall off. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. They've canceled lots of shows that were good. Mm -hmm. So they don't have a problem saying like, there's a huge fan base. This is over. I also just think, and this is just my own backstory, but like a lot of what's going on with like the New York housewives, there's no reunion for the first time Mm -hmm. in history. Yeah. I have heard things and I don't work for Bravo. So what do I know? But Tell I, me what you know. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that it is, you know, listen, NBC has always been involved, but I think mm-hmm. like with the case of the New York Housewives, like NBC is really involved. And so it's not a matter. So, I mean, yeah, like the suits at NBC know who Ramona is and Luann. I mean, they're not idiots, but it's not as close to it as Andy, where he could right. say, 
Ramona's this, but there really is a huge fan base or whatever. I mean, the suits don't give a fuck. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So I really feel kind of heard things like, you know, because of the New York thing, like the parent, like NBC is involved and they don't give a fuck. It's like, right. how much does Ramona make? How much does this one make? What's the ad revenue? And I mean, I don't know. Like, do I think New York Housewives is coming back? I mean, I guess, but I'm not so sure like everyone else in the world. I mean, I think it's coming back. I do think they're going to dump Ramona. They tipped us off early on, whether that was a fake rumor or not. I do think we've seen them getting rid of OGs across the board because Cynthia's not coming back. Not She wasn't first season, but she had been there a very long time. And the time. money, I mean, the money, you know, although Candy is the highest paid housewife and they kept her, but that's different. Yeah, but she also brings them money. And yeah. you might know more about this. I've heard that Bravo gets some sort of portion from yes. like anything they promote on the show Correct. that they get some kind of portion. So with that in mind, keeping somebody like Candy, who's so busy and does so many things between touring with Escape and her restaurants and all these kind of things that she does, that makes sense, monetary sense. Right. Cynthia Bailey doesn't make sense. Ramona, who's not working anymore and isn't trying to plug a peanut right. regio, doesn't make sense. We don't have this problem with Below Deck Med, but I do kind of wonder with them expanding the franchises like they are, adding Below Deck Down Under, adding the adventure series. I hope it doesn't go the way of the housewives to where they over. Well, that's what I think the housewives did. I mean, I really feel the nail mm -hmm. in the coffin, I mean, was Salt Lake. I mean, it's a great addition. It's, mm -hmm. mind you, the ratings on Salt Lake sucked the first season. Yeah. But oh, it's, time. but it was on at 10 too. Yeah. So. And I don't know how it's doing now. I haven't looked, but, you know, I just think it's on all the time now. So, yes, all the cities are different, but not really. It's literally the same show in different cities mm -hmm. so right i mean i think the more that below deck just keeps adding so that it's on all the time i don't know i think the you don't scales get a are chance to miss yeah it. i think the scales will tip. yeah i do here's a thought what mm -hmm. if these other franchises are an attempt to not oversaturate so let's say that this is Lee's last season because he's had some health issues and he's really the face of the franchise. Same thing mm -hmm. with Sandy. What if they retire Lee and mm -hmm. dissolve Below Deck Original and then turn it into adventure series and turn their focus more towards these other franchises? And that's the way that they continue to move forward. That's interesting. That's interesting. And that's a good point because I know Lee enjoys it, but I also know at a point I would think people want to retire. So that would be a good exit strategy to get away from those and get into something else. And to not have it come down too hard on a new captain either. Right. Like we know when we've seen people who replace people that are on the show for a while, like Francesca did, that nobody's going to warm up to her. I mean, I thought she was great, but nobody's going to warm up to her because she's not Kate. Right. You know, mm -hmm. and so she's there just as a, a lamb led to mm -hmm. slaughter. 
Right. And then hopefully whoever comes next will be given more latitude because it's been long enough since Kate's been there. Right. Thing. So you have to have your rebound stew moment <laughs> before you move on to the next permanent relationship kind of thing. Kind of. Right. It's a rebound relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially after suffering a traumatic relationship, it takes a little while to get over things. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's After you've funny. been in an abusive relationship for a while, it takes a little while to get over it. How long has it been since you filmed? <laughs> <laughs> 10 years, 12, yeah. 11 years. Yeah. So do you have any other thoughts on the season? David, is there anybody who you would like to see again? Or do you just want a whole fresh face, new cast? I personally want a whole fresh face, new cast. And maybe, I mean... Don't shoot the messenger. Okay. Maybe just because now I know her, like I might be okay with Malia coming back. I, I know you're going to hold the phone, you know, nah. but <laughs> now I'm not. <laughs> I mean, if Sandy's coming back, I mean, I'm okay with Malia coming back and taking it from there for consistency. I wouldn't lose sleep if she were gone, but Sandy and Malia, and that's really it. From the pictures, we haven't seen anything of her. We do see somebody who looks like they're, what did you say, Adrian? A first officer? Yeah, it could have been Based an engineer. It could have been a first officer. Huh. Yeah. So we don't know. And they might be holding those cards close to the best because they don't want backlash before anything even happens because we're a whole nother year out from the next season. So and I could do without they- Malia. It's just more, you know, like I, I don't really care one way or another, but just if process of elimination and you want an answer besides Sandy, I would go to Malia. Like I'm so not connected to, drawn to, or care about the others. It's not good. No. See, I love Lloyd. I would have Lloyd back in a heartbeat. I love Z. I think they're a fun dynamic. They're sweet. Yeah, they are. I'm okay with them churning it and turning it over you know, the way they would a boat with a new cast. It's very American Horror Story. I'm all about not getting too used to people to where I know and I can predict how every situation is going to happen because I've seen this person so much. And it definitely got that way with me for Kate, for Hannah, to where I just know how something's going to go down. And if I know, why am I watching? And see, I think this is by far the best season of American Horror Story, possibly ever, but for me, at least since season one. Like this is, this is it. Really? From just, just okay, for me. Okay, then I'll have to go back to it because they lost me at Freak Show. That's the last time I it watched. It got a so. little, I mean, Roanoke was, I don't even understand what happened. It was confusing. It was like, <laughs> but I have to tell you, I mean, it's also because I love talking about like addiction to fame and money and success. Like these are some of the issues I like to talk to my guests about on my podcast. And the whole thing is like a look at Hollywood about how just people are chasing fame. And of course it's American Horror Story. It's sick and it's crazy, but it's all based on like what you would do for fame and would you sell your soul? So, I mean, that alone, and I don't know, it's easy to follow, whereas not every season is. I think it's like the Sarah Paulson's back, Evan Peters. I think it's the best season since the first one, really. Cool. Yeah. Cause the first one had me and I watched one through four, I think. I'm not sure where Freak Show fell, if it was four or five, but that's when I fell off. It just kind of got, I don't know, a little too far out there for me. Horror is my genre, but I'm not much for camp 
unless I know it's supposed to be campy. If you've given me good psychological thrillers, I don't necessarily want you to go super campy. You know what I mean? That makes sense. I can't keep up with it. But anyway, everybody's going to be tuning in now going, why are they talking about American Horror Story? But really, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it is. Well, I will have to check it out because that is also not a show that I watch. Really? Okay. See, we need to introduce Adrian to all of these things, David. You and I are going to seriously we're gonna get her on the Bravo train. We're going to get her on the American Horror Story train. I have a hard enough time when I'm out of the country on charter, just keeping up with below deck sometimes. Yeah, so it's true. I mean, now that they're adding those on, I'm going to be the same way. <laughs> I'm going to be many sleepless nights trying to watch it over and over so we can talk about it. But we're so glad you came back. We're glad you're our first return guest ever. Yay. Well, thank you for having me back. I will come back anytime you guys would like me to. Well, we would love for you once the new season of original gets going. We'd love to hear your take on those people. I will definitely well. be watching it. And then, I mean, maybe your whole audience can hear me and they can be like, wow, he's really not a negative person. He loves this <laughs> crew. But, you know, this just, this incarnation is not negative. it for me personally. Yeah. I don't think you're negative and I don't think that your views are out that far outside the realm of what other people think either, by the way. If your views weren't what the majority were thinking, you know, 978,000 would be, I did look it up, by the way, it was 2.6 was the average for last season. Wow. So that's crazy. Those numbers wouldn't be so disparate if more people didn't think like what you're feeling. No. And it's like, even before we started, you asked me if I was interviewing anyone. Cause I mean, I do a different interview every day. And I mean, also I've been insane busy with housewife stuff, but listen, I could work all day. Like if I really had to talk to someone, I would have made it my business. And I'm just like, you know, if someone reached out to me and dropped into my lap, like if Z called me or someone reached out to me, I usually say yes. If someone reaches out to me just because you know, well, here you are. I've done nothing. And all I have to do is say yes. And that makes my life easy. Granted, I still have to prepare, but Mm -hmm. I'm not going, I really was just like, here we are at this point in the season. Like I don't have a burning desire to go out of my way and necessarily track anyone down and get to the bottom of anything. Right. So, I mean, that to me tells me everything. Yeah. That tells a lot. Why overthink it? You know what I mean? Like why overthink it and try to be nice. The bottom line is like, my gut is just that I'm not loving this season. Yeah. So maybe next season. Yeah. Well, we will find out when original comes, we'll have you back and you can let us know if it is up your alley. Okay. I hope so. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, thank you again for coming. Thank you everyone for listening. Please check out David on behind the velvet rope, follow him on Instagram and I'm on Twitter too, but at behind velvet rope on Instagram or behind the velvet rope, Apple, Spotify. And it's not just Bravo. We have lots of other people, but yesterday I had Fran Drescher on who doesn't love Fran Drescher. I love the nanny. I did see that on IG. I haven't gotten to listen yet, but I'm gonna, because I love her. How hard is it to like, not have one bad thing ever said about you by anyone in Hollywood? There's like nothing. She's like, she's a, she's a doll, but Yes, if you want the other Bravo stuff and Housewives, that is my thing. So check us out. Check them out. Give them a follow, subscribe, and we will catch you all next time. Thanks. Bye. 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 Special thanks to our friends who helped us create Gangplank Report. Down below music and lyrics by Angel Tweeter Frail and Terry Abbott. Performed by Lorelei of Florida. 
Production assistance by Michael Castaneda. Super fan intro by Blind Lawrence. Cast off, me hearties.